Hello, my friends. My name is Aureli. Education Monsters is a podcast that discusses multicultural education. Hi, everyone on Education Monsters. I'm here with my friend Sean, and Sean is a programmer. It's been six years. He's currently in New Jersey in the United States, and he's obtained his degree in computer science. So welcome to you, Sean. Hi, really. How are you? Very good. Thank you so much. And thank you for accepting uh, your invitation here on Education Monsters. Yeah, of course. It's a pleasure. Happy to be here. Yeah. So um, I've introduced the education part of your personality. Can you please introduce yourself and the cultural background part? Of course. Yeah. So as mentioned, my name is Sean. I am 28, living in New Jersey, um, born and raised, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> What's so bad about it? Uh, I think New Jersey right now, it's mostly known for Jersey Shore references and as the armpit of New York. So, um, yeah. you know, GPL. if we can escape that, yeah, it's pretty bad. But no, it, it's it's not a bad time though. Definitely is a nice a nice quiet state. But aside from that, you know, I do work in New York City as a programmer, so yeah, I kind of get to experience both worlds of a boring suburb and upbeat city. So that that's awesome in itself. And yeah, I've been working in New York City for the past six years, actually, right after college. So you mentioned before that you went to law school for a little bit. Did you combine both your job as a programmer plus law school at the same time? Yes, I did, um, and it was pretty grueling. So when you go to law school, well, some law schools typically they make you sign a contract saying that you're not going to work full-time because they want you to be uh, dedicated to them. So I was working um, just under full-time, which is 35 hours as a programmer and then law school at night. It's pretty far. Like those subjects are too <laughs> very opposite. What made, yes. you, what made you want to go to law school? So um, it's it's pretty bad to say, but honestly, as um, I, and I think you can probably relate to this, but as a minority living in the United States, your parents want you to be extremely, extremely professional. So it was either lawyer or doctor and they said, pick one. And programmer wasn't even in their minds. They didn't really know what that was was so I had to pick a lawyer and I never really wanted to do it it's kind of what my parents wanted me to do so I tried it wasn't for me and now I'm actually doing what I love mm -hmm. and how come they do not know about computers I think that I don't know because my parents are in their 60s now so they they know about computers but they I think they get confused about programming and IT so because I, I code they're like oh can you fix my computer and I, I say no I can't fix your computer I can't fix your printer because that's not what coding is coding is software whereas what they're talking about is IT which is hardware um, and they just don't understand. <laughs> so where did your parents grow up? So it's actually funny because and my lack of French is this true shame because my mom is from that Montreal area so she's from Laval and then my dad is from Senegal so those are both French-speaking provinces and the fact that me or my brother do not speak French is, is a bit of a travesty so. And are you trying to make up for that? Are, I, you, going, are you going on italki Sean? <laughs> I was going on italki and then I had given up but you know hopefully <laughs> I get to take some lessons from you in the future. Um, yeah. Oh my God. I, what happened to your French teacher? I just gave up. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I guess I kind of ghosted her, but you know, I definitely made a great friend along the way. So that's, that's always a plus to take out of it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And so happy to have you on this podcast, even though like French has a very specific timing. So you have to be ready for it. It's like hard as hell. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but very, very happy. And also I'm very happy we could connect on the programming side. So a few months ago, I started learning on Code Academy. 
and you were very useful with all your advice and today we could probably focus this episode on programming in general because it's an uprising profession and it's also very pandemic proof as we saw so let us know more about it yeah so basically and i want to touch actually on the pandemic proof thing yeah i was very lucky and very blessed to not lose my job my own organization they let go of i would say probably about 100 people in different roles spanning from marketing to sales to customer support you know and i was one of the ones that my whole department very lucky to keep our jobs so as you say it is pandemic proof um and I think job security is a wonderful thing. Today's world in programming definitely offers that. So if anybody's thinking about it, I recommend it. I recommend it so much. It's just, it's just a great profession to have. And you were mentioning that you sort of gave up on French, but I always saw programming as a language on its own. So you're familiar with different programming languages. How did you start and what language spoke to you at first? Well, let's, let's go back to why I was interested in computer science in the first place. Uh, as a kid, um, it's a pretty typical story. I was always into computers, always in, into hacking things. And it's kind of a funny story. So this started because, so we had a, a desktop, a family desktop computer, um, and they would lock it at certain times just to kind of maintain our time <laughs> on the computer. So this is computer time is after dinner and for about two hours. And after that, there's no computer time. So um, as a kid, and I would say I was probably like nine or 10, I was trying to figure out a way to how to, how can I hack into this computer? How can I, how can I break this firewall so I can actually play games on a computer when my parents aren't home? So, you know, once I figured that out, which actually wasn't that hard, it, it kind of clicked for me. It was probably the most amazing feeling that a nine-year-old child can have. Was it like breaking of out of jail? Oh, yes. Yes. As soon as I hit enter and got in, it was like, Oh my God, there were flags and confetti in the background of me. And I was like, yes, I did this. I am, you know, I'm a hacker. I can go hack the White House now. I'm amazing. And I think since then, I've enjoyed that feeling and, you know, creating software and and kind of just seeing things that I can create and such like so forth have um, been a result of that. Did your parents find out? They did find out. They found out immediately. And they, you know, they kind of asked me how I did that. And I was like, I think I said, oh, you just left it unlocked. And it never happened again. I never got in it again. They made it harder. But at the time, it was amazing. <laughs> did you have any passion for being a lawyer? Man, so my concentration in law school, the first year you do just regular, like, let's say general law stuff. So you do constitutional law, you do torts, you do injury, things like that. So my concentration was actually in intellectual property and patent. That was a nightmare. You know, you're actually, it's very surprising to see what people are willing to sue people over. I could say something to you, like, I want to build a, a floating gym or something like that. And then if you end up building that at any point in your life, I have grounds to sue you. And I just think that that world is crazy to me. And, you know, the amount of frivolous lawsuits out there is something that I couldn't be a part of. That's that's a cutthroat mm-hmm. profession, I would say. It's it's crazy to me. Yeah. So do you think you're more like an analytical kind of guy rather than an ethical thinking guy? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Definitely. In terms of programming, going back to the languages. So I'm not sure how the school system works, the curriculum that you've taken, but do you start with just like learning a language or do you start with, like you said, like, like a big picture thing? So in school, in college, you actually start with, so I'd say learning languages, it really isn't part of it for the most part. So you're learning more about why computer science and what computer science is. So you're learning more about data structures and algorithms and that there's these big textbooks with all these algorithms and equations and how a computer works and why it does this and that. So actually the first two years of the major, it was all, you know, kind of like principles and things like that in theory. And and then once you get into your upperclassmen levels, that's when you start learning languages and how to use them. So I would say school, four years of it, you could probably learn programming, honestly, in six months if you really put your mind to it. Because school, they just cover everything. And I'm sure it's the same for neuroscience as well, where there's a lot of theory and ideas involved, I would say. 
Mm -hmm, definitely and we also learn a lot about the history of it so how yes. did people come up with it so how people like initially thought that we had our feelings and emotions in the heart rather than the brain they did not value the brain as much and then all of a sudden oh well it was not such a useless organ after all <laughs> exactly the history of computer science that doesn't excite me that much but i understand why they have to teach that so i get it but at the same time it, it, i feel like it might be unneeded if you're just going straight to the job market mm -hmm. yeah like it makes you grateful for what we have i guess because exactly. in medicine it didn't used to be that people were efficient. Programming, I would say, in the past, I know it was a nightmare. I'm glad to never programmed on Windows 96 computer, one of those clunky desktops, because I know that it took hours to run to execute your code and to merge it. So, you know, I'm glad I'm living in today's time, let's say that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what do you think makes you so happy and what do you contribute the most with your skills uh, when you go to your job? So the thing that makes you most happy, and I'd say it's scary to say, but I think just definitely getting in there and I don't want to say coding for hours on end, but I, I think because I'm focusing on the front end, definitely seeing the, the fruits of my labor and our whole team's labor. I think that's, that's awesome, you know, because I can do something in other professions, let's say I can do something for five hours and, and never get recognition or even see, see my work. As soon as I start something, it's right on the software. It's right on the website. I think that's awesome. And just a big part of it is being on a team and collaborating with all these different people. I mean, we have, I think a hundred developers and engineers across spanning across Cindy, Paris, New York, you know, I think just collaborating with them is, is amazing as well. And and did you say that the backgrounds were from all different places, like not just studying computer science? Correct. Yes. We have a lot of bootcamp grabs and a lot of self-taught developers. That's another thing that programming is great. You can actually teach yourself because it's just an unlimited amount of resources on there. And then I think even my closest allies, not closest allies, closest co-workers in the program, this guy, Jordan, you know, he sits right next to me and he's a master's in physics, you know, that, that, which doesn't really relate or make any sense, but that's awesome. And another person is uh, an English teacher who got recently laid off and now she's a programmer. And I think... I think it's awesome that you can, you know, get right into it. So <laughs> I also came up with that idea very briefly to learn how to program by myself. It's just so hard to discipline yourself, just like you in French, actually. So this episode is, is about language, but we all have uh, different struggles, I guess. Yes, 100%. French for me, and I sure you can only just, it's about, I think for me, and obviously because uh, you speak French, for me, it was consistency. Without that consistency, I felt like I wasn't getting on there. So obviously we had lessons, but um, I didn't schedule them correctly. Like if I wanted to progress, I feel like I need to schedule them like every day or every other day. Um, and outside of lessons, I wasn't doing Duolingo. I was not reading or watching YouTube videos or listening to anything. So there definitely needs to be some discipline. You know, you want to, you got to put your mind to it for sure. And it's exactly the same as me. Like once I finish a lesson on HTML, like I should have just like tried to make something out of what I've learned. But instead I just like, you know, you got the certificate and it's yes. easy to just like leave it on your desktop and be like, okay, next lesson. But you've forgotten <laughs> like what you just studied. Yes, yes. It's all about, it's, that's one of the things about programming and a lot of curriculums where they don't teach you applications to how to apply your code, actually. So I definitely recommend, like with HTML, you could have made uh, just a sim simple, like buy a website about who you are and things like that. Even with French, you know, obviously I come from working from a French company and hearing it every day to now that I'm, you know, home during the pandemic and not hearing it at all, except for on Zoom meetings, uh, it's a little bit different. Yeah. So you were practicing with your colleagues and I remember part of our homework was also to make sure to have those kinds of conversations 
conversation that we just yes. talked about practicing those verbs. <laughs> it's so easy, I think, to live comfortably. Like once it doesn't impact your survival, survival mode. So just like when you're in a new country, being immersed into either speak this language or die of starvation, you'd better learn the language. <laughs> yes, 100%. Yeah, complacency is a true, it's a true evil. And I think many people are like that. With the programming thing, part of me also thinks that there's so many programmers out there that it would take me years for me to get to their level. So uh, I easily got discouraged. So what advice would you give for someone who'd be like, well, why do we need one more programmer in this world? Yeah, I think that is a valid concern for sure. I know that the job market has been recently uh, oversaturated. I think, you know, most of it is definitely just having confidence in yourself and your ability to code, whether, you know, you may not be the greatest coder, you know, or greatest DevOps specialist or engineer or anything like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of uh, how you work with people and your, your confidence for sure, you know, because I know myself when I started, I was super nervous. I was making a lot of errors. A lot of my code would break immediately. But at the same time, you know, I think I, I was a pretty good talker and I was able to kind of recognize mistakes and like take criticism as it came to me. So I think definitely just believing in yourself, which I know that sounds kind of cliche. And then, you know, being able to take that valid criticism and work on yourself is always a uh, so it's a plus. It, it's it's a need for sure. Is the field competitive? It is competitive. So in the U.S., and I'm not sure how it is in Canada, but I know it's different in, in France. So in the U.S., most of our states are at will, meaning that you can get fired at any time, which is in stark contrast to Paris. Basically, Paris or rather all of France, you cannot just get fired on a whim. It, it, you're in a contract, so it takes a while, as I'm sure you're aware. So for that reason, a lot of developers, engineers, they kind of hoard knowledge as a way for job security. So if you know something unique, and nobody else knows and you're the only one that can do it and you want to keep that knowledge to yourself these uh as for job security basically you don't get fired um it's a bad practice and makes for a toxic workplace but that is the state of the uh, united states right now so aside from that i would say it's just very competitive in general i kind of who works the fastest who's pumping out the most merges you know who's i guess just pushing the most things to production for sure did it happen that you wanted to ask a question to somebody else and got denied i've gotten the runaround for sure for a lot of people so (laughs) i i've (laughs) i've had to ask people questions like, you know, how did you do this? Or, you know, would you find the source code to do this? Or what stack overflow page did you get this from? And I've always gotten the runaround where it's like, oh, it's just uh, common knowledge or something I know in my mind. I really can't explain it. Good things like that. So, but I've also done that to newer developers as well and interns. So I understand that, but it, it's, it's a toxic thing that needs to end for sure. I think nobody benefits from that. We're all working the same job. We're all trying to better ourselves. So to do that is it's pretty bad. I found this environment pretty similar to science, especially in research that within the same lab, you would compete and be like, do not tell anybody else about this technique that I found. And we're in the same lab, dude. Yeah. It, yeah. We work for the same org. So what are you like, what are you doing? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand it. I don't get it. But yeah, it is, it is the way things are. So it's like that in Canada too, then assuming, I'm assuming you can get fired. It's same, yeah. It's the same every where I feel like science is pretty competitive no matter the culture because yeah. research goes pretty fast and okay. it's also a matter of luck so the more you keep knowledge to yourself the lesser chances the others have to steal your ideas and publish before you that is so bad but I mean we've seen that in history as well if you think about you know past scientists I'm using Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla as an example where Nikola Tesla had all the ideas and Thomas Edison was able to to market those ideas as his 
So I understand that from a historical perspective, but it sucks. It definitely sucks. Yeah, it's the same with Darwin. There's a lot of scientists who claim the <laughs> evolution theory before him, and yet yes. they give him all the credit. Yeah, Darwin was, I just, he was just able to market it better, but yeah, it's, it's an awful thing for sure. I would be, yeah. I, I'd be so angry. Oh, man. Yeah, so there's definitely like this search of recognition in your work. Like no matter what field you are, no matter what culture, no matter what country or language you speak. Yeah, I think. I agree 100%. And especially because in programming, source code is so easy to find where, you know, we have GitHub, which uh, you can say is your online portfolio of your code and your projects and things like that. And then on any website, in any browser, you can simply right click and, and view, view page source, which tells you all the source code right there. So at the end of the day, nothing really is private. It's kind of just method i would say and would you say it's easy to move up positions so let's say getting promotions and do people do musical chairs pretty easily because there's a huge amount of programmers i say i say if you it depends on the organization for sure in past organizations before my current one it was not easy to get promoted there were things like okay you are a back-end developer you are a front-end developer and that's the only thing you're going to be for your your whole time here whereas you know in the organization i mean now you you can start in front-end development go up to full stack development then go up to engineering so there is room for growth in certain areas it just depends on the organization you will as far as musical chair I have seen high turnaround for sure for some employees. And I think that is just the nature of, of the job. I, I know a lot of people, some people get burnt out about it. And if you come in and your legacy code sucks, so meaning that the first person that ever created the program, you know, coded it awfully and he, he's no longer at the company anymore, it's kind of hard to work around. But that's just kind of the struggles that we've accepted as programmers. So talking about programmer salary, I think it's something that attracts a lot of people to begin with, because not only is it pandemic proof, you can travel around the world, negotiate to be like this digital nomad but also it's a sweet salary so is was that a defining factor for you to continue in this field so um i think it was a factor for me and it was a little bit easier blow on my parents at the time when i did disclose my salary to them but i think initially getting into it i had no idea what the salary was i think i found out my senior year at rutgers in college when i went to a career fair and um, i was talking to headhunters and recruiters and they told me the salaries and i was i was ecstatic i didn't even know I wasn't even, I was confused. I was like, why is this paying, you know, like a little bit under lawyers and doctors at some points. And um, I think it's just because it's an ever growing need for sure. I think tech is kind of taking over a little bit. If you see these big tech orgs like Amazon, they're, they're kind of trying to own everything and the more developers and engineers that we have, it, it's greater. So, but no, to answer your question, it wasn't, uh, initially it was not a deciding factor, but I think you know, coming out of law school, it definitely, definitely eased my parents' minds a little bit about going into it. So for your parents, how come is the money related to the social status? 100%. Like, you, like you were saying, being a programmer was something super strange for them. But the second they saw the money, they're like, okay, fine. Then it's, they could colorate the salary to what they expect you to be. 100%. Yeah, I think it's it's about the social status. And it's about, um, I don't want to say there's there's definitely a more professional word for bragging rights. But, you know, it, it's easier for my, my mom to go to her friends and extended family and say, oh, you know, Sean is a programmer. He makes this much versus Sean. Sean is a, is a gym teacher. He makes this much. So it's, it's better for her that way to say it. And then obviously from parental perspective, they don't really ever have to worry about me um, when it comes to my salary. And they know that if they ever got into trouble or if my brother ever needed money, I could always help out. So it's, it's definitely security. And then uh, I guess just being proud. Are you the younger brother or the older brother? I am the younger brother. So my older brother is electrical engineer, which is uh, a little bit above me, you know, but we're, we're both happy. So, <laughs> <laughs> 
what are your thoughts on this competition? Like first growing up, then your parents pushing you to, to do your best, but not also just your best, but society's best. And also having this competition with your family. Like when do you feel like you can be vulnerable? When do you feel like you can do something without comparing yourself or I making think, someone happy? I think that's always going to be with me, probably until I have my own family. I think it's just the nature of a kind of a minority or let's say second gen minority in the United States for sure. I know that here, there are a lot of people like that as well, where, you know, if you're not a doctor, you're not a lawyer, or you're not making six plus figures, you're not really doing anything and you're wasting your time. So it's kind of hard to live like that. At the same time, it's very, very stressful. Am I grateful for it? Yes, kind of. But would I, would I do that to my own future children? No, absolutely not. Um, I truly do believe in do what you want to do. And I don't think that you have to choose between making money and being happy. I think they're synonymous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, so you were talking about minority and do you feel like it's to compensate the fact that you're not white that you're working so hard and trying so much to prove to the world that hey minorities can make it like representing people as a group yes yes i never really thought about it that much um i know that's big in my parents mind but yeah that's definitely that's that's the most important factor for sure definitely to show that you know we, we can do these jobs and uh you know these all these fields do not have to be dominated by um caucasian males and things like that i know even though I'm in programming, it still is kind of a white male field at the moment. Um, for females, I'd say, oh man, I'd say probably under, I would say probably the split right now is 70-30 male-female. And the racial split is even more alarming that I haven't looked at the statistics, but I know it's pretty bad right now. So I think kind of being a black male in programming has opened up a, a lot of opportunity for me. And I would definitely urge other minorities to definitely get into it for sure, because everybody can do it. You know, it's just having that confidence and having that um, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, even you, exactly. <laughs> I can do it too. Yes, yes, just discipline. <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's because my parents did not restrict me to have a computer for only two hours a day. But really? I did, did you not, have? I did not have the challenge oh, to man. have to break into it. Did you have computer time at all, or the not like what was your screen time? No, we had no limits at all. Oh wow! Oh man, I wish, I wish. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. But it's not like we're addicted or something. Like I had other hobbies that I myself picked, like playing the piano, going outside. I like I like going out a lot with my friends. So. Yeah. I've never had this addiction for screens in my yeah. life. I think that makes sense. Yeah. I think one of the, you know, the best things I heard is definitely um, like overprotective parents breed like sneaky children, which I have seen firsthand. I would have become that if I wasn't a little bit smarter and had more personal discipline. But yeah, I've, I've seen that. I'm sure even just in college, you know, when kids come to, if you're sheltered and you're a kid going into a freshman in college, oftentimes or not, that kid would become just a big drinker, fill out of classes just because they were sheltered and they didn't know how to handle the freedom. So that's a saying that I definitely, definitely like it resonates in my mind. How old were you when you graduated? Graduated? Graduated what college? Mm -hmm. uh, 21. Yeah. Did you think it was like pretty young to get into the workplace and um, pretty much be an adult and having this discipline and also managing law school plus making a ton of money? I didn't think so just because that is the <laughs> the american dream is it's based on capitalism and 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 working yourself to death so i didn't think so but then you know i look back at it and i kind of look at other countries where wow 21 is young and then you know even having friends that moved out after when they were 21 i myself moved out when i was 23 i definitely think that is young you know being an adult and yes for sure i mean <laughs> working those 35 hours and going to law school and i didn't have a life for that whole year and a half i just worked and went to school 
I didn't have relationships. I did not hang out with friends or anything like that. I mean, I was in the grinder for sure. Uh, I think that's a young age to do that. Yeah. I, I should not have been that stressed at 22 at that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny because some people would choose to do a gap year to travel around the world and to take advantage of this. I just got out of school. I may not know what I want to do, but in your case, you did know what you wanted to do since you were nine years old. So mm-hmm. it made it easier for sure that you don't have to find yourself, but is there a part of you that maybe wish you had explored more, maybe arts, literature? Yeah, I, th- I think so now. I think right now um, I'm, you know, taking up a lot of quarantine hobbies and then even as you mentioned piano that's something I definitely want to learn I know that I asked my parents for lessons when I was younger and they said no so you know I think that's something I could have I could have explored when I was in my early 20s and then definitely as you said about the gap year I think that was really cool I had the opportunity to study abroad in Italy I I didn't go for whatever reason Uh, I think I was like too scared at the time but I definitely regret not seeing more of the world in my younger age than I did only because I was trying to focus on maximizing the amount of money I had and you know my experience in my career but you got to enjoy that too you know you don't want to be you don't want to retire early at 50 and then not be able to do anything because you're 50 so um, that's yeah you're also in a different mental state at 50 and even if you retire early you don't have the same level of energy as if you were 20 and be able to hike the Kilimanjaro or something Exactly. So it's important to take advantage of every single day's pleasures, but also be reasonable and have some sort of discipline, I guess. What made, what made you scared to go to Italy? Um, I think because, <laughs> but I think because in New Jersey, there was a lot of, a lot of Italian and Irish uh, immigrants, uh, I guess in the 1900s. So everybody in New Jersey was either Italian or Irish. And a lot of the Italian people were pretty racist, at least in my area growing up. And Staten Island, if you if you know what that is, but that is like, it, it's a pretty bad place. But yeah, so I, I kind of had this view of Italian Americans and I extended that view to real Italians that, oh, these people are not going to like me if I go there because I'm black. And now that I'm older, I realize that there are black people in Europe. Italian Americans are nothing like real Italians. It, it's completely different and i don't think they like each other anyway so that makes sense yeah so do you think your views have changed now that you grew up and got a more broad perspective a hundred percent i think i definitely don't fall victim to thinking about people's stereotypes and i hope people don't see me i'm in a stereotypical way and i think that definitely just doing your own research and kind of getting to know individuals as they are is, is super important and perspective as well yeah that's very cool and also to go back on the programming job again um, you were mentioning before that it's a pretty ageist domain, a, a very ageist field. So, oh yes. So, oh, what yes. makes it so ageist? Because I think that, and maybe because I've only ever worked in startups, I've had one corporate job. Um, that was at Zillow, which is basically like a housing website. Um, to make it ageist, I, I would say definitely what makes it ageist? That's a good question. I think there is the, the misconception that <laughs> anybody older than 40 doesn't know how to use a computer anymore. Um, and that's <laughs> not true because programs have existed since uh, since the internet, you know, or even before that. And so I think that there's that misconception for startups. They want to hire, uh, they want to have a young, sexy staff to put on pictures and attract investors and things like that. So being in that that tech world and startups definitely makes it super ageless. I know in my own interviews that we haven't hired somebody because that she she was 31. And I'm like, I'm like, what? Like this person is a millennial and she's a way better programmer than most of us. And I think the reason was, oh, but she's 31. She's going to want more and she's not going to be as good as us in five years. Like her skill will diminish. And I'm like, 36 is not a young age. So I think that it's ageist because people over-exaggerate your ability and your, your actual eyesight in your age. And, and I think people get scared as well, where 
or if you're older that you're going to want to move on to a manager position or a team lead position quicker. And that makes sense. Yeah. So is that what you mean by they would want more? Yes, exactly. So it's not just more money, but it's also like more management position. Okay. Management position for sure. I think it's hard when you're older to, and I guess I could think about this too. I think if I was a 40 year old engineer, I wouldn't want to report to a, to a 25 year old team lead. I don't think I would like that at all. Yes. I did know people who had this issue, but I think it's too bad. It's exactly like, you know, it reminds me of couples. Like, would you have an issue if your man made less than you as a woman? It's like, The issue should be like, no, like money should not really matter within a couple as long as you support yeah. each other. Like yeah. there's no competition. Good. There's no like, there's no prejudice because even though you're 40, you might have a different path and you'll, you can always learn from younger people. It's not a shame to always make the information flow one way, you know, like from older to younger. Exactly. It's also important to learn from the new generation because they had a different education. They might have traveled. They might just speak different languages and it's important to be open. I agree. It should be two way. I agree. Yeah. I can't even say more than just I agree because um, what happens when I in, in uh, five years for me when I'm 33 you know and I'm like yeah I'm an experienced programmer and they were like okay but you're 33 you know I'm like well what do you want me to do with my life? you know it feels like I have to stay at the same company yeah forever. you become Benjamin Button yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah like what do you want me to do so now that I'm old I guess I need to find something unique and hoard that knowledge or just um, go corporate <laughs> yeah well do you think you might get some Botox oh I might have to you know these, these people are coming <laughs> out now we just hired a 19 year old oh my god he didn't even go to college he was 19 he just graduated high school like a year prior I'm like how'd you get this job but he's really really good but he's so young at the same time so it's uh, it's frightening <laughs> Wow. So next time I have my kids at 12 years, I'll be like, you know what? Go get a job, be a programmer. (laughs) Exactly. Oh man, it's really unique, but it's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome that it's evolving so fast and and that it's so accessible. Like you were saying with the boot camps, anybody can pay just like maybe $200 a year and be a programmer. You don't have to go to college and prove your degree. You just have to know how to code. And it's so cool that we're getting away from the traditional academic view of judging someone by the diploma. But here, skills are skills, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think that's good too because um, that's a big that's a big turnoff for many industries. People looking for a career change, where it's the only the only barrier of entry is you need this four year degree. So if you're not, you know, if you're not an eighteen year old kid, for most people, that's pretty much a turnoff. Where either they don't have the time or they just have other responsibilities. If they're you know if they have a family, a four year degree is pretty uh, improbable. So the fact that there are so many boot camps out there and just so many like resources out there to learn on yourself is a huge thing. And I would say boot camps are pretty much a new thing. I know that when I was in college, so from 2011 to 2015, boot camps did not exist. Or if they or if they did, they were kind of like taboo in a way. But nowadays, it's so widely accepted and there are so many that it's a good thing for sure. I love boot camp grabs. They know everything. It's so fresh in their mind and it's it's pretty intense. So Yeah, you're right. I think they also have that reputation of being sort of scammy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because there's just so many of them. So like, which one do you trust? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was looking at some myself just to, I was trying to learn like mobile development. I ended up doing it on my own, but I know a lot of boot camps. you have to look at the reviews for sure. A lot of boot camps will say, you don't need to pay anything. We'll just garnish your first couple of checks. And I'm, I'm like, whoa, like 
stay away from those. Definitely just look at reviews and do your own research for sure. I think there's a lot of good boot camps out there and there's a lot of bad ones too. So you have to search around and kind of research them and look at reviews. <laughs> yeah. The thing with boot camps is that you have stuff in quantity, like you have access to so many classes for such a period of, for such a short period of time. But like, what do you think about the quality of what makes you a good programmer? Like, would you trust someone if they learn how to program in two months? Would you hire this person? Ooh, ooh, that would be tough. I would make the technical interview really hard and I would ask a lot of questions. The interview, so let's see, yeah, that's a good question. So let's say I had two interviews, one with a computer science major, four-year degree, or somebody that learned programming in two months. I would be more critical of the one that learned it in two months and I'd give a tougher interview. But if they did well, then I would take them over the guy with four, four years for sure. I think it definitely speaks to a person. If they can make a career change and be super proficient in two months, that's awesome and more power to them and they can definitely learn on the job. And I think that's definitely a good quality in a person for sure. Yeah, it shows like self-motivation because exactly. just like learning French, like you have to push yourself to go online every day do those yeah it's yeah and you just gotta do it <laughs> that's amazing if i had discipline as somebody like that i would know like five languages by now you know like it's um to have that that's amazing but i think at least it's worth trying for sure yeah but it's funny how you have the discipline for programming and i don't and you have it less for french even though you could because you have shown discipline in other areas that's true that's true that is true i never really thought about that that yeah i don't know why i think i get discouraged easily for sure and even though i can take criticism in programming it's something i've been doing it for so long that it's kind of like a second language to me whereas french to me is uh it is a bit confusing but yeah like i said i mean it's just it's just about discipline and practice and confidence for sure yeah and also it, it requires several skills because in programming things are pretty logical like you yes. don't really have okay which letters do i pronounce which ones don't i pronounce yeah in programming <laughs> the there, there isn't there's no like obscure grammar rule for this one phrase that you're gonna have to remember that doesn't exist yeah you have <laughs> to think it like five times and on top of the grammar you also have the pronunciation and then people are also more critical of your accent than in other languages oh especially yeah the parisian french i think uh what did you think about the obama initiative of teaching kids one hour a day an hour of coding i didn't i didn't know that existed but if that is a that's a strategy and that's something that's recommended that's awesome i could follow that myself for learning anything really i think that's awesome and i think coding should be taught in high schools or in my high school it was not taught or i know a lot of high schools in new jersey and probably all over the united states where it's not taught at all it's not even discussed that's yeah that's a popular technique for what's called 100 days of coding so if you want to learn a language or something like that they say do this for 100 days do these projects etc do anything with the language 100 days and you'll you'll be a master so i think that's awesome mm -hmm. and do you have a last piece of advice for our listeners you know, I just kind of wanted to stress that if you ever thought about it or you're thinking about it and, you know, you don't think you're good enough, you don't think you're smart enough, I think definitely just try it. There are tons of free classes out there that give you just, just a breakdown on things like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, which is basically just a website, how you make a website. And, you know, for everybody thinking about it, I think definitely just take that leap, you know, take those few hours and really learn it. And if you like it and if it clicks, then go for it for sure. I can't stress that enough that definitely like to achieve something, you have to at least try it. And if you don't try it, then, um, you know, it, it's not worth it, but you know, just keep doing you and keep trying to be the best person yourself that you can be. I know that's what I try to do except from like, aside from French, but other than that, no, I don't think I have anything else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sean, for your time and yes. for being here on this podcast. And I hope it's going to inspire a lot of people to go into programming and not be scared of it because it's just a language. Of course. I'm happy to be here, Aureli. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me for sure. Yes. Hope to see you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
If you love the podcast, you can check out my blog, Education Monsters. It's education-monsters.com. You can also support my project on multicultural education by donating on my Patreon page. The link is posted below. If you make a donation, you could have a shout out on my next article or podcast. You could also choose the subject of my new article or podcast. And if you need French or English lessons, meet me on the italki platform. I'll put the link below. Shoot me a message as well if you'd like to be a guest on my podcast. And may today be the best day of your life. Bye.